All right, why don't we just pray to start with. Uh, Lord God, we just thank you for what's happening in this place today. We pray for open hearts. We pray that you are um, just welcome to minister and work in our hearts as you see fit. And um, we just want to open ourselves up to that and allow you to do what you want to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Hey, good morning, church. How are we doing? Good? Good. Hey, um, a few of you have probably heard of a show called Les Mis, right? A few people in the house have just been auditioning, waiting for callbacks, all that kind of stuff happening this week. But put your hand up if you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about when I say Les Mis. Yeah, okay, there's a few. All right, basically, there's this musical, right? It's about like the French, one of the French rebellions that happens around the same time as the French Revolution. It's like kind of a musical, it's a movie, there's a bunch of different shows on it. Anyway, I just wanted to share for a purpose of relating to my message later, just my journey with this production, with the show, with this movie, right? So when I first heard about it, it was a few years ago, and I thought, okay, this is a musical about the French Rebellion, probably not for me, kind of this macho kind of guy thing of, it's not really me for musicals kind of thing, I don't know, just seems like a bunch of French people with problems singing about it, I don't know, doesn't seem great to me. But then I ended up watching the movie, and um, it was pretty good. I actually liked it. Uh, I thought, yeah, this is, this is decent. This is cool. Left it at that. And then, um, you know, back in high school, I, I did a theater production, really enjoyed it. Haven't had much exposure to it since, but I've kind of been keeping my ears out uh, open and um, just listening out for, for a chance to, to get back into that at some point. And so when I heard that Blenheim Musical Theater was, was bringing this, this show to Blenheim, I thought, wow, that's something I could do. So I started really investigating it. I started looking into it. I started committing myself to it and watching all these different versions of it and, uh, and um, looking at um, how I could be involved with it and, and booking an audition and all this kind of stuff. And then I took it to the next level and I started talking to my friends about it and started talking to other young adults and being like, all right, well, how about you guys come join? How good would it be if, if there's a group of us that are doing it? You know? And I started getting more excited about it and more excited about it. And I almost went all the way and I had a audition booked, I had everything sorted to go, I was ready for it, I'd been practicing the song, all this kind of stuff. Ended up not going to it for personal uh, reasons, just not the right time in my life to be doing something like that, I think, in the end. Um, but if I had continued to do it, I can just imagine how much more that passion would have grown, how much I would have been living and breathing and just, it would have just been oozing out of my ears, I'm sure. And I'm sure we're going to be hearing that from several people in the church that are involved in the show. But this is just my, my, my story is here for a reason. It's to show you that I had a change of heart. I started off not even interested in it, saying, no, that's not for me. I'm not on board with this. To almost get into this place where I'm so involved with it that it's just oozing out of me and cannot help but sharing it with the people around me, right? So as you can see along that story, there were several different levels of heart change, it didn't just go straight from nothing to full on, right? There were several different levels. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. Several different levels of heart change. Not to do with theater, but to do with our faith, right? And I think it's the same kind of structure within our faith. So today we're going to look at a change of heart, right? A change of heart. That's the title of the message, a change of heart. And I think we see this several times throughout the Bible that a change of heart is basically the foundation of our faith, right? Yeah? We can agree with that. There's several different ways we can look at what it means to be saved. But when it comes down to it, a change of heart kind of sums it up. If you think about um, 
The prisoner on the cross next to Jesus, dying next to Jesus, what did that guy do? He didn't get a chance to go to the temple and offer the animal sacrifices and whatever he had to do to be atoned. But he had a moment with Jesus and he said, remember me when you're in heaven. He had a change of heart and that was enough for Jesus. Zacchaeus, a tax collector, stealing from the poor and the vulnerable, um, he, had a, he had a change of heart moment with Jesus, right? This man, he was not allowed at the temple. Tax collectors, not allowed at the temple. Dirty, bottom of society, not allowed at the temple. He had no way with the societal customs of how to get to know God and how to be in relationship with God. He had no way to do that. Yet he had a change of heart. He said, Jesus, I will, I will make it up. I will pay back everything and I will do it. I will follow you. And he had a change of heart and that was enough for Jesus. Another woman who anointed Jesus' feet with her hair and with her expensive perfume. Who was she? She was a prostitute. Guess who's not allowed in the temple? Prostitutes, right? She had no way of connecting to God in that society. But she had a change of heart, and she offered something from that place. From the place where she could, she had a change of heart, and that was enough for Jesus. So I think, I hope we can all agree that we can see that when someone has a genuine change of heart, that that's enough for Jesus, right? We on board with that? Cool. So today, I want to look at this. I want to look at the different levels of heart change that we can have to achieve this full change of heart. I've broken it down really nicely. Four R's. Four R's, okay, today. Four R's we're looking at, and it's kind of a bit of a roadmap here. Hopefully a little bit clearer than some other roadmaps we've been shown lately, but... Here we go. Four levels of heart change needed to achieve a full change of heart. Level one is reflection. Reflection. Okay? Level one heart change is reflection. And so this is like a heart moment, but not necessarily a heart commitment. All right? We've all been in places where we've had a heart moment. Oh, we've had an amazing time with God. And um, yeah, that really made me think about Jesus and it made me do this. But then we we, uh, we hear a sermon or whatever it is, and we go through the week, and nothing's really changed. We had a heart moment, but there was no significant change there. So while our perspective and mindset might have slightly changed, the whole thing hadn't changed. Our whole heart hadn't changed, right? It's kind of this idea, um, who's familiar with the sinner's prayer, right? We sometimes do an altar call, and we say, repeat after me, the sinner's prayer. And then sometimes we just kind of expect people to be fully changed, and, um, but that's actually not what we're called to do. We're not called to give a sinner's prayer and leave, and leave people to kind of figure everything out themselves. We're called to make disciples. And so a sinner's prayer might reflect a heart moment, but it's not until they're actually made disciples that we can see the proper heart change. So this is a, a sinner's prayer is indicative of a reflection moment, but it's not necessarily the next level after that. It may well be enough for some people, but generally it takes a bit more than that. So in that moment, if you're in the reflection stage, you've had a heart moment, but not necessarily a commitment, then what's our default state? Where is our heart at? It's still in its its basic nature, right? It's still kind of focused on self at that moment because nothing's actually shifted. Perspective has started to change. You're on the journey, but nothing has actually fully shifted yet. So our heart is still in default mode. It's still focused on self. And so let's look at a couple of verses at what our base level of heart is. So up on the screen, we've got Jeremiah 17, verse 5, and then down to 9 and 10. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts 
in man and makes his flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. And then verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. You know, some people, we talk about it, you hear it all around, you know, I just, I just don't feel like that's right. Or, um, you know, it's, it, they're led by emotions. And that is, if we, if we believe this verse is true, living by your heart, unless it's fully, fully devoted to Jesus and you're actually speaking from Jesus' heart, living by your heart is no way to live, right? It's a pretty dangerous place to follow your heart. Some people say, follow your heart and that will lead you. Unless your heart is following Jesus, then that's probably not going to lead you to the right place. The heart is deceitful above all things and, and sick, desperately sick. That's the default state of our heart. And um, a, a Bible story that comes to mind of this, we're not going to look at it right now because it's a bunch of chapters from Judges 13 to 18, and it's the story of Samson, right? If you know anything about Samson, Samson was called from birth, he had a calling on his life from birth. Do not cut this man's hair. He is chosen for a purpose to deliver Israel. He absolutely was called by God. Yet, his heart was not following God, right? He made several selfish decisions. From getting a wife that his parents didn't agree with, that, um, that he just said, no, I want a woman from that town. And his parents were like, are you sure though? I don't know if that's the best. No, I want a woman from that town. Man, his heart is in self. It's not considering anyone else. It's not considering God. His heart is in self. And all through his story, we see that his heart is focused on self, right? We see this. And right up until the moment with Delilah, another prostitute who has been led there by his heart, by his emotions, by his self-focus, that's generally how you end up in those situations. But basically, he was deceived by this prostitute, Delilah, and that's how he ended up losing all his strength as she figured out that it was all about his hair and told her Philistine compatriots, actually just cut his hair and he'll lose all his strength. He was led there by his heart, by his self, by his default state. Even though he was chosen at birth, even though he had a call of God in his life, he still was led by his heart and it didn't take him to good places. He had a heart moment. Maybe some of us have had heart moments. Maybe some of us have had a reflection, but not genuine heart change, right? I hear this question sometimes. I'm, I'm a youth leader, youth pastor, and um, so, sometimes the kids are wanting to try to be holy, but not really, you know? It's kind of this question like, how far can I go with this girl before it's too far, you know? That kind of question. Can, is it all right to to smoke weed if I do it with God in mind. You know, these kind of things. It's like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, seriously. But, you know, you have these questions. And sometimes these questions, are like, it indicates where your heart's at. How far can I go? How much pleasure can I have until it's too far? You're asking the wrong question. If your heart is in the right place, you will be saying, how can I honor this woman? How can I please God and stay away from anything that might take me away from him. If your heart is in the right place, those are the questions you'll be asking. But if you're asking those kind of questions, how far can I go? How much do I have to do? You know, that's another one. 
We can't all relate to the youth group situation, but maybe all of us can relate to that one. How much do I have to do to please God? Do I have to read my Bible? Do I have to come to church a certain amount of times? Is once every eight weeks good enough? You know, if those are the questions they were asking, maybe our heart's not in the right place. Tom's looking at me like, I'm glad you're saying this and not me. <laughs> but this indicates where your heart is. It indicates if your heart is self-focused, right? And so if you're thinking about this, we move on to this next phase, the next step. You realize I might need a heart change. I've had a heart moment, but I might need a heart change. And um, I had a friend who actually was going to be having a heart surgery, was going to be changing some things, and she was so excited. She was so excited because she was going to get to live a different way than what she did before. She was going to get to uh, play sports and have experiences that she could never do before with her heart in the bad place. Now her heart was going to be in a healthy place, and she was going to be able to do things that she could never do before. That is how it is with us as well. When our heart is in the wrong place, there's several things we cannot do very well. When our heart is in the right place, there's a bunch of different things we can do. So point number two is repentance. Repentance. Reflection is the first step, but then we actually undergo a heart change, and it leads us to repentance, right? And what's, what's a heart change? That is a new heart, right? Jesus's heart. He does a heart exchange with you. He takes your heart from self, and he puts his heart in you. Obviously not physically, but spiritually, right? It's an identity change. Let's look at a couple of passages from Ezekiel. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. A new heart, a new spirit, it's associated with the presence of the spirit being in there. And there's another verse there as well that talks about one heart and a new spirit. God is wanting to give us a new heart. If you have a new heart, that changes who you are in a spiritual sense. That is an identity change. And I think some of us get it wrong. We, we think, man, I need to fix what I'm doing. My actions aren't reflecting how I want to be. And we try to change our actions. But our actions come out of our heart. So if we change our heart first, if we have an identity change, then our actions will follow that. We don't need to follow our, uh, change our actions first. You know, it's a bunch of different examples. This, this, it's this identity change. It's this, I get to do this rather than I have to. We talked about that before. I get to do this. It's this, um, it's this religion versus, versus faith, right? It's, it's not, I have to go to church, but I get to come here and be with God. If you have a true faith, then that's how you see things, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's sonship versus servantship and how we relate to God. You know, I don't, I don't have to seek God on what He telling, is telling me to do. That's not the guidance I need. If you're a son, if you, if you have that kind of mentality, if you have that kind of heart with God, then you're starting to think about what can I do to please my father rather than what can I do to obey my master. You know, it's that kind of thing. And that can be reflected in several ways. It might be at work, you know, uh, work or church even. Um, you see a bit of rubbish on the ground and it's like, eh, could just leave it. Someone else will pick it up. But if you are a son of that place, if you have ownership if you, or a daughter of that place, if you have ownership, if you have responsibility, if you have um, partnership in that place, 
suddenly your heart is in a different place and you pick up that rubbish because you realize the greater good of the place, right? We see that. Let's look at um, our heart has changed right away. Okay, so just, just briefly, we'll get to that verse in a sec. Our heart has changed right away. When we're saved, there's a moment called justification, right? When, we're, when our heart is changed, Jesus gives us a new heart, yes, and it's justified. That happens in a moment, and it happens to everybody who is saved. But from there, we have sanctification. And sanctification is an ongoing choice. A change of heart is absolutely a choice. There's this moment that's beyond your control, justification, where well, you, you still have the free will to choose to get to that place, but that just happens. But then from that moment, you have to keep choosing to let your heart be changed. And we see an example of this in 1 Samuel. This is a story of King Saul. He's just being anointed as the king. And this is just after it happened. When he turned, to, when he, sorry, when he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. Right there, he's just been anointed, and he has another heart. And all the signs came to pass that day. When they came to Gibeah, behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God rushed upon him, and he prophesied among them. Who thinks that's a pretty genuine moment with God? Yeah? We all agree. But if you know the story of King Saul, from that moment on, we see several, many, many moments of his life where he is choosing to not have his heart focused on God. Right from the next chapter when he's actually being crowned king and he's hiding in insecurity and fear among the baggage. Just after this, he's got a new heart, a spiritual-filled moment, and yet he still lives his life not choosing to follow God, not choosing to be sanctified, not choosing to keep repositioning himself. Believers have changed hearts. Absolutely. That's justification. But we have to choose to be sanctified. We have to choose and allow ourselves to be pruned. And that is pretty painful to be cut. We have to choose to put ourselves in the refining fire. And that hurts right? It hurts to continually be challenging ourselves, to continually be sanctified, to continually be made our hearts from self more like Jesus, right? And there's an instantaneous bit of it, but there's also an ongoing bit of it, right? So how do we do this? How do we do this? So there's a couple of different ways. And the first I want to talk about is input versus output. What you're putting into your heart will reflect what is coming out of your heart, right? So yes, your heart is immediately changed. But if you find yourself having these um, emotional outbursts or getting offended easily or finding forgiveness quite hard or anything along those lines, if you're just, if you're just having moments in your week and you're like, where did that come from? That doesn't seem like how I want to be or it doesn't seem like how I should be acting. Maybe consider... What am I putting in? And this isn't 100% of the time, but it's generally from what I've seen is a pretty good reflection, pretty good indication a lot of the time. Man, some of my worst weeks, some of my, my worst times, I'm like, man, what have I been doing? And I see the, the Netflix shows or the music I've been listening to on my Spotify that week, and I'm like, ah, I see, I see. This makes sense now, you know? And so I wonder, 
if, if that might be the same for you. It might not be Netflix, it might not be Spotify, it might not be that kind of stuff, but it might be the people you're hanging out with that week. It might be the activities that you're doing just have nothing to do with God. It might be that you're just not reading your Bible, not having that prayer time, not having that devotional time, not having that time with worship. If there's nothing good and spiritual and holy coming in, even if you're not doing anything bad, the output can still not necessarily reflect that. There's a couple of verses up here, Mark 17, 7, Mark 7. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. Quite interesting, right? It's not going into his heart, so it can't actually change what's coming out of you. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. From within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Right? It's talking right there about what you put into your heart and a direct correlation of what is coming out of your heart. All right? There's a couple of other verses as well. This is the one in Luke. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Basically, what are you letting in through your eyes? What are you letting in through your ears? Right? That reflects what will come out of your heart. And uh, if you want a good verse to ex- explain to you what's the right things to be letting in, Philippians 4, 8 is great. Truth, honorable, admirable, excellence, pure, right. All those different things in that verse that are mentioned. Great blueprint to how to have a healthy heart. Right there. Input versus output. That's one way to, have, to choose to have a healthier heart. But a second way is to just... Literally, intentionally choosing to have a heart for Jesus. And what do I mean by this, right? Uh, think about it. Okay, not all of you are married, but p- think of a relationship, that whatever you've had. But basically, from a marriage example, right, we have this amazing moment when you're first married. You have a covenant moment that you could say that's the justification moment. That's the big one moment done, right? Cool? But if you're looking back on your wedding day, and you're thinking, that is going to save me for the, for the next five or ten years, every mistake I make. No, it's all right. We got married. We're good. Who knows how that marriage is going to go? Not great, right? You have to actually keep committing your heart to that person. You could be doing the right things with the wrong heart. You could be getting up and, and making your wife a coffee in the morning and, and whatever, and, and doing things that look like love, but there's no love in your heart while you're doing those things. You're doing it because you feel like, I have to do this to keep her happy, to keep her off my back. If that's your attitude, then maybe your heart's in the wrong place, <laughs> right? If, if you're saying, man, I get to make this woman a coffee, you know? If, if it's that kind of attitude, then perhaps your heart is in a better place, right? So these kind of things, it's the same with our faith. Choosing the heart of Jesus. Yes, we have that one moment, but we can't rely on that for the rest of our life. We have to keep choosing it. So what is it? All right. Is there sin coming out in your life? Well, you've got to choose. Actually, that's not the heart that Jesus has given me. I'm going to choose to have this heart of holiness because that's what you say. You say I'm holy. So I'm going to choose not to be sinning anymore. And it sounds so easy, doesn't it? But 
it's not choosing to change your actions, it's choosing to change your heart. And when your heart is in that place, it becomes a lot easier and your actions follow suit. There's a verse up here, 1 John. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. That's pretty convicting. If you're stuck in a sin, stuck in an addiction, whatever it may be, that's a pretty convicting verse. And I know that it can be, be hard. I've been there myself. It's a, it's a hard place to get out of at times. But honestly, I can tell you, when my heart changed, when my perspective shifted, that's the times that I had the most successes in those moments. So I, I encourage you right now, if you're in that place and sin is your struggle, get a heart change, however you have to do it, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through input versus output, whether it's just making that decision. Actually, no, I do not have a heart for self. I have Jesus' heart within me. That can be enough. Try those things. Maybe it's something else, though. Maybe it's I need a change of heart because my heart is actually not reflecting Jesus in other ways. Maybe it's um, a fear is a big one these days. Fear is a big thing these days, right? And all, all different sides and both sides of all the different arguments that there are, there's fear everywhere, right? Do you know fear is not of God? Living in fear is not of God. There's a place for fear sometimes. But living in fear, making decisions out of fear, and letting your life be changed in altered direction by fear, that is not of God. Let's look at a verse for this. First Timothy, Second Timothy, sorry. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Pretty well-known verse. Fear is not, a spirit of fear isn't from God. You know, living in fear, making these decisions like this, not of God. So if you have been finding yourself in that place, that fear is consuming you, anxiety, whatever it may be, stress, all those kind of things. If those are ruling your life right now, if those are common in your life, then perhaps you still need that heart change. Perhaps your heart is not as founded in Jesus as you thought it might be. And maybe you had that moment, but you haven't been doing the ongoing. You haven't been doing the recommitment. Actually, God, I understand. This fear is not of you. Let me recommit my heart to you again. Love is another one. We're just going to breeze through that one. But a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this people will know you are my disciples. If you have not been living out of a place of love, then that is also indicative that your heart may need to follow suit there. If your actions have not changed and still reflect the world, still reflect the self-heart, still reflect that focus, then has your heart changed? Or have you just had that heart moment? Has your heart really changed? Have you had that repentance, that turnaround, that big shift? And some of us, I think, need to have a change of heart today. So start thinking about that now. What area is it for you? What's the heart change that I need to really focus on? Because we can be doing the right things with no presence. But that's not good enough. That's not a way to live as Christians. That's religion. If there's no presence involved, that is religion. We have faith. We have heart change. This is what we're talking about today. So have a heart check moment. All right, let's go to number three. 
Once your own heart has changed, once your own identity has changed, you come to this place where your influence can start to change other people's hearts, right? Through relationships, right? That's the level we get to. It's kingdom. It goes from self, it goes from Jesus changing your heart to starting to have this kingdom mindset where actually my heart change can influence other people, right? A changed heart leads to kingdom purpose. You know, what are we called to do? What is our kingdom purpose? Go and make disciples. All of us are called to that. That's the great commission that Jesus invites every Christian into. So how are we doing that? We don't have to necessarily be out evangelizing to every single person and sharing the, the voice of, of gospel. But you know what? Even just through having your own heart changed, your own identity changed, if you can do that, then that will start to affect everyone else. Think about those things we were just talking about. Right? If you're living a life with no fear and people see that, this person is different. They're not affected by the stuff going on in this world. That starts to witness to people. If people see your love, the way you forgive, the way you move forward, the way you love people, that speaks to people without you having to say a word. Our life should have enough evidence itself without us having to say a word. You know, words are great and they come in handy and that is one way to do it. But actually our life should be the testimony as well right? We should be able to be making disciples just by influencing the people around us. If our heart is in the right place, that will happen naturally. Our identity shapes our future. And as Christians and disciple makers, we lead the way by where our heart's at. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys are just absolute bosses. They are, they are like goals right here. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered to the king. Right, if you don't know the context, they've been told to bow down to this, this idol, right? Uh, they're not going to do it because they're, they're fully devoted to God. Answered this to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, which was the punishment for not bowing down to the idols. They were going to get thrown in this fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. I love this line. But if not, yeah. if he's not going to save us, be it known to you, O king, that we will still not serve your gods or worship the golden images you have set up. Now, this puts King Nebuchadnezzar in a bit of a state. It says, Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. And the expression of his face was changed. Let's go to the next verse. They're getting thrown in the furnace. Go to the next one if we can. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. So they're thrown in. He sees that they're not being affected. He goes to have a look and see what's happening here. He declares, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Anyone notice a heart change? Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. And then, guys, servants of the Most High God, I humbly come before you. That's a pretty big shift. But let's carry on, right? Let's carry on. So let's skip down to the bottom. Therefore, I make a decree, verse 29, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Is that a heart change? 
Is it all the way? No. Tearing people limb from limb, not a great thing to do if your heart's in the right place. But it's a big shift from where he was, right? It's a big shift from where he was, furious, to humbly coming before their God, to stating, actually, nobody can talk bad about this God. And how did that happen? Through three lads who had faith, who had their heart in the right place, who had so much confidence in their identity in Christ, even if he didn't save them, it wasn't going to matter. But guess what? God did save them. And guess what? Their testimony and their, the way they lived and a couple of words they said, it wasn't that many words, affected people so much that an entire nation was changed through that moment. A changed heart in you will change hearts around you. This great verse, Jeremiah 32, verse 39 to 41. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and the good of their children after them. I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. I will rejoice in doing them good and I will plant them in this land of faithfulness with all my heart and all my soul. I will give them one heart and one way. Right? When your heart changes, and when your heart changes, and when your heart changes, and when all of our hearts change, and it's all got Jesus' heart in us, we're given one heart. We're united. And so as a collective, we become a community of changed hearts. Right? A community of changed hearts, all witnessing and influencing and changing other hearts around us. That is kingdom. And that leads to step four. And step four of heart change, what comes at this level is revival. When we are wholehearted, right? We've gone from having a heart moment, gone full circle to wholehearted. Wholehearted, devoted followers. When we have that level, then we can't help but have people just catching it from us. It's contagious, right? Wholehearted devotion, what is that? It's living in the presence, it's living in the presence. And when we're living in the presence, guess what? We have shamelessness in our faith because it's just our life. It's not sharing an extra part of our life and figuring out how to do that. It's just sharing. It's just living our life. And so when we have shamelessness of the faith, we have personal testimony. Again, that's just what is happening in our life. Personal testimony leads to others having heart moments and starting their own change of heart journey because they've had that heart moment and then they can start this whole journey and hopefully get to that point too so i'm wrapping up right now guys but what i want to say is god wants us to have a changed heart i want you to see this see the cycle and identify where on the cycle am i where on the cycle am i right now because he wants to move us to the next level I believe that his intention is for all of us to be at the top level, to be wholehearted, de devoted followers of him, right? That's where he wants us to be. The reality is, most of us probably aren't at that level. All right, so let's go through them just quickly. Let's just wrap up and uh, review the four levels and just decide where you're at. And I'd just love to, to pray for everyone at the end. That would be awesome. But hey, if you're at that first level, if you're thinking, man, I've had a heart moment, yeah, I've had an encounter. I may have had a genuine, real, spirit-filled moment like, like Saul did. But actually, 
I can see now that my heart has not been continually focused on Him. Yeah, I had that moment, but my heart has not been changed. I'm still living out of myself. I'm still seeing unchanged things in my life. I'm not getting breakthroughs in sin. I'm living in fear. I'm not living in the love that I want to be. I feel if that's you and you can see, man, I'm from that, that place of self. Then what you need to do is be moving to that next level. And the next level is repentance. And if you're in that level as well, repentance is that moment where you actually make that heart commitment. You move from a heart moment to a heart commitment. And when you have that heart commitment, that allows Jesus to come and change your heart. Yes, in a moment, but from ongoing, from that point on, it's a commitment from yourself as well. You need to commit to continually refocusing your heart to keep having a change of heart. Then the next level of the change of heart was relationship, where it goes beyond yourself. Your identity and your heart has changed so much that it starts to spread to others. And the goal of that is to be kingdom-focused, kingdom-minded, right? To have this community of people who have changed hearts. Imagine the influence we can have. Three guys in the fiery furnace had that much impact on a nation. Imagine what this room could do if all of us were at that level. And level four, revival. Everyone speaks about revival. It's not happening yet. What do we need to do to get there? Wholeheartedness. Wholeheartedness. Don't say, I'm going to read my Bible more and pray five times a day. No, it's not going to help. That will help. But what will help more is a change of heart that leads you to naturally want to do that. Not because you have to do it, but because you want to. Can we all stand? I'd love to pray for us all. We're all in different levels. I know that. What I want you to do is just, in your mind, hold up the level that you're at. Realize the level of heart change that you need. Why don't I pray for you all? Lord God, I thank you for this room. I thank you for every heart that you're working in right now. I pray that no person will leave this place without choosing to go to the next level in their heart. Whatever they need to do, whether they have never considered you before and they're thinking, wow, this could be my heart moment. Or whether they've been a follower of you for ages, but they're realizing, actually, I'm not quite wholehearted. Or somewhere in between, wherever they are right now, God, we just lift up every person, every heart, every situation or, or, or thing that they have on their mind right now that they need to lay before you and surrender and sacrifice and choose you. We thank you that there is sanctification happening all over this room right now. May this be a holy moment. Not a one-off moment, though, but one of many that are still to come. A daily thing for these people, maybe even more than once a day. It's how we become wholehearted. I pray that you help us to all move closer to being wholehearted. Move closer to bringing your kingdom to this earth and to the day that we get to actually be with you in your kingdom in heaven. But we can live not just waiting and sitting and waiting for that day, but actually looking forward to it with hope and with focused hearts completely on you.